Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kel Nolson. Joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Kevin, if you were a smart better and you hit that plus 260 on will Jay Crowder be traded? Yes or no. And you put the no down by the next podcast we did. It's Monday afternoon. We had to podcast again. He hasn't been traded. The smart betters rejoice. Cash your ticket. Hey. Yeah. Hey, uh, sorry for all the notification sounds that we just determined were from my phone in our last <laughs> podcast. Glad we got that technical thing out of the way. Yeah, if you heard what sounded like beeping in the last like 10 minutes of the episode specifically, it's kind of funny because it it re-emphasizes what we've been talking about a ton, which is how busy uh, this time of year is for us. That was just Kevin's notifications going off from like work messages, Twitter uh, app notifications, things like that. I thought it was my headset beeping and then it started happening again when we tried to record. Technology's a pain. When we just have microphones in front of us, Kevin, and we push a record button, it's a lot easier, but... We're here zooming because we got to get some episodes out, buddy. You ready to get in everything? Yeah, it's just when they get a Super Bowl halftime guest who is like hitting your age demographic, that's when you just lose all ability to use technology. Anyway, continue. I feel so much responsibility too because you're the person on the sports web desk right now and you turned your phone on do not disturb. So it's all on me now. So if the Cardinals <laughs> like hire Vance Joseph, even if they already ruled him out or whatever, for whatever reason, I miss it for like five minutes. I, it's on me. So a lot of responsibility here for old Kel, but he's going to make it happen. Uh, we got a lot to get to. As you can tell, I'm already trying to speed through this part. We're going to try and keep this one shorter, but we might podcast again on Wednesday. We're definitely going to podcast on Thursday. And this is the type of, uh, uh, there are a handful of stories we should get to that will get buried by then, to be honest. So we felt the need to come back and rejoin you guys just after a couple of days. Uh, a couple of things to hit off the top when it comes to news. Hey, Kev, Suns are playing good basketball. They've won eight of their last 10. They got one of their best wins of the year in Boston on Friday, 25 points from Mikel Bridges. And then they've handled Detroit pretty easily, 31-16 and 16 from DeAndre Ayton. Mikel Bridges had another big game uh, there. Mikel has now scored at least 20 points in 10 of his last 12 games. He's playing pretty well. The team is playing really well and uh, really good timing on this front because Devin Booker is expected to return tomorrow. That is Tuesday against the Brooklyn Nets. It's not like those two teams have been connected recently for any reason. Kevin, add more, even more intrigue to that game specifically. So Devin Booker expected to be, to be back all while the team is rolling, all while Mikel is rolling. Those are two things to keep an eye on in that game that we will talk about on Thursday more specifically. Also, uh, speaking of that time of year, within the last hour, it was reported by ESPN's Baxter Holmes that Jason Rowley has resigned uh, from the Suns. I believe that's the wording they used here, Kevin. Yep, that is so, correct. Resigned. Now, the ownership transition is expected to happen sometime in the next 48 hours, I would assume. Uh, so you can put two and two together there. Rowley, of course, we talked about this ad nauseum for the past uh, year plus. A lot of his statements at the time, he he had his own statements outside of Sarver's, outside of the teams that aligned with Sarver. And then, of course, there was the extra reporting that Holmes did in the last couple of months on Rally's role. And the bottom line on, on that story, Kevin, I think, is that this was long overdue, especially with the amount of not denying for sure. That's not the right word to use here, but just the uh, way in which he 
attacked the credibility of Baxter Holmes's reporting only for the league's investigation to back up a good amount of that reporting. And the way that I worded it on Twitter is I can't imagine how frustrating it. This is a sentiment I've shared a lot on this podcast, but I can't imagine how frustrating it was for the employees who experienced what they did to see the way that he went at the story. And then for him to be able to stick around still when Sarver uh, was not. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, today would be a win for the employees who are, you know, the vast majority of employees who are going to continue being employees once the ownership group turns over and all that stuff. Yeah. And that is a part of the story that is really important to bring up and something that we'll probably get to on on Wednesday and Thursday, because uh, the amount of turnover, if you're not familiar, whenever a new co- owner comes in there, owner comes in, there's going to be some level of turnover around the company. It's just a matter of how much the Suns decide to do now and how much they decide to do in the offseason. One last bit of news, Kevin, we should touch on Steph Curry. Uh, let me uh, pull up my big boy pants here. Here we go. I'm going to say it. Steph Curry sustained an injury that has been diagnosed as partial tears to his left superior tibiofibular ligaments and interosseous membrane in 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 interosseous membrane which (laughs) which hold which holds the fibula and tibia together why can't they just say that instead of interosseous membrane he also suffered a lower leg contusion that is via kendra andrews of espn he is expected to be out until after the all-star break kevin we talked about this two weeks ago there are going to be two teams that probably get at the short end of the stick here with injuries and are going to be playing very big catch up all at the very least. And at the maximum might just miss this whole thing because they get bad luck with injuries. And if there was one huge name out of like the three or four, we talked about in terms of big, big names that can't get hurt for their respective teams. Steph was one of them, right? Yep. And I'm no doctor Kellen, but uh, the tibia and the fibia seem important holding them together. A Fibula. How dare you Whatever. mispronounce a medical oh, term, yeah. you, you <laughs> dummy. It's not like I just did that the whole time I was talking. Let's get on to Kyrie news, shall we? Yeah. What we covered on last episode was the Suns' interest in Kyrie Irving as a potential suitor. I should say it as that, that they were talked about as a potential suitor by Sham Sharania. Chris Haynes went on to observe that Phoenix makes sense as a trade destination where both teams could remain a contender throughout that. That was his reporting. And then Adrian Wojnarowski in his story later that night did cite the Suns having interest. Well, flash forward, Kevin, to Sunday. Kyrie Irving is traded. It is not to the Phoenix Suns. It is to the Dallas Mavericks. That is Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, a 2029 first-round pick and two second-round picks going to the Brooklyn Nets in exchange for Kyrie Irving, and I believe Marcus Morris is the other, or Markeith Morris is the other player in that deal. All is all is fair. Well, we'll get to that in a bit, and 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 all well and good. I, I mean to say, in terms of the return there and stuff, we'll get to that in a minute. But then Chris Haynes did some reporting later that night that said the Suns. He phrased it as the Phoenix Suns' offer of Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and unspecified picks. Later on in the evening, Sham Sharania writes his own post up on The Athletic and details that the Suns were, let me keep scrolling, offered a package, the Phoenix offered a package, the key uh, phrasing there, offered a package around Paul Crowder and one first-round pick, sources said. 
The offer was made within the first 18 hours of Irving's trade request. It is believed that three first-round picks could, not even would, could have clinched a deal. Multiple league sources said this becomes a quick game of telephone and a lot of, okay, where is this information coming from? How reliable is it? And so on and so forth. This would be a lot easier for us to just take in as fact, Kevin, if it was not the Phoenix Suns, who pretty much have nothing like this ever really get out. ESPN's Brian Windhorse, ESPN's Zach Lowe did their own podcast. They went on NBA Today again. And a, a notion that Windhorst, uh mentioned on the air is that the Suns have been aggressive in terms of pushing back on this notion. Uh, now, I think that the way that Windhorse phrased it on Lowe's podcast, I thought was really great in terms of, okay, how much of this was exploratorial and how much of it was a real offer? I think that's a really important part to phrase here. And I think that if you kind of look at this, even for people like us and people uh, who are listening to us right now, who don't really have the inside track here in terms of sources and all of that, you can dissect it pretty easily in my opinion, because Shams reporting says a first round pick and then mentions could have had three first round picks. Chris Haynes reporting also does not cite like a uh, specificity on the pick, which to me, this sounds like, and, and one of Mike Vigil's, uh Twitter followers kind of made the same point that I was thinking of, which is, this sounds like it was exploratory. It sounds like the Suns did their due diligence, sniffed around, talked about what a potential package could be, didn't even get to the detailing of, of like when a pick would be, what picks exactly it would be, heard back three first-round picks and probably hung up the phone, and, and that was that. And then the, whether it was Brooklyn's side, whether it was Kyrie Irving's side, uh, this got out somewhere from those two sides. It definitely did not get out from the sun side. I feel very confident. And in saying that uh, there are conclusions to draw from this, Kevin is Chris Paul mad that he was in trade discussions, trade exploratory, just in a report that suggests that he was offered in a trade is probably the better way to phrase it. Uh, Some people are using that as their main takeaway. What is your, uh, what are you taking away from all of this? Um, Two things, which we already know. The first one, which is, I think they're open to trading him. And I, I, I guess we could have seen that in how they've used him, how they know that Mikel has to be more on ball. Chris has kind of taken more off ball duties to help him get to the end of this finish line this season. Um, now, do, do we know that they're going to aggressively put him in a trade package? No, but even if you say that's exploratory, that means that you're you're very realistic about what he's doing this season, which is, I, I think we've all said it, this guy, is, <clears throat> he's come on strong of late, but you can't rely on him. And that's why I was kind of saying last week, he like could be sent to the bench even. Um, and that's the important part with me is like, he's a big piece of this trading him straight up for Kyrie Irving seems super aggressive. And I don't know if I would agree with that, but if you're saying you only give up a first round pick and you're just trying to get to the end of this year with the best team possible, and then you reset and figure it out in the off season, um, that's reasonable. But I guess my other takeaway from this is even if James Jones is feeling empowered to put that on the table, even consider it. Um, they're not going to deal all their draft picks for a rental with the guy you don't know is going to be here next year and beyond. So I think everything looked measured from that respect, like looked very sons like again, getting out there, like that's going to happen. I think if you even have a conversation with another team, um, 
And, and that's why it's like, everyone's like super skeptical about why would you trade Chris Paul for Kyrie Irving? I get that, but um, this isn't like, this is about winning. Right. And, and James Jones, I think at the end of the day understands that like, yeah, blowing up a leader who book really gets along with or whatever is a risk. But if you have a chance to get to the finals, you look at it. And that's exactly what the Dallas Mavericks did and giving up a bigger package. Um, and we will say right now that trade is not official because it looks like um, Brooklyn is trying to loop in a third team because they can't really redirect Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith um, easily together. So like they could get more draft compensation or something better back to pair with Kevin Durant possibly right now. And I think that's what we're kind of sitting on our hands for here. Um, and, and then we can get into the Kevin Durant stuff, but right now it's still, that's kind of holding everything up. I think in the NBA at this point. Yeah. There, uh, we'll just follow up report on that. Our many conversations in the league are going through one team today, the Toronto Raptors. And I'm not sure why that, is directly related to Nets Mavs, but maybe Toronto has stuff going on where the Nets and Mavs want to loop themselves into that. Now, uh, I thought the uh, there was reporting here from Tim McMahon of ESPN as well that says Dallas needs the deal done today. So it sounds like this is going to get done today in one way or the other because it sounds like Dallas wants to get more stuff done, which is understandable once we go over their roster here in a bit, Kevin, because there are some question marks in terms of their pieces around those two players um i agree with a lot of what you said for sure uh here are my big two takeaways from this um the first one is that i compare this to deandre Ayton's contract situation where the can of worms has been open toothpaste out of the tooth whatever the toothpaste container the tube the tube is that what you call it kevin the toothpaste is out of the tube yes sure so once it came out that DeAndre Ayton did not get a contract extension from the team, that immediately began questions around his long-term future with the team. Once it gets out that the Suns have offered Chris Paul in a trade, even if that proves to not be true, it's out there now. And now there are questions about his long-term future with the team. We were talking about it for sure, Kevin. Uh, we We were ahead of that, and a lot of people locally here we're ahead of that, but now this becomes a league wide sort of thing a lot more, I think. And that, and I think that is important to note that the notion that he could be someone that maybe isn't even on the team next year is something that a lot more people are taking into consideration now and is going to be discussed a lot more heavily, just like how we did with DeAndre Ayton. And obviously, the contract extension is a bad example to compare to a trade offer getting out there because if DeAndre takes the contract extension that means like it never comes up right and like this isn't necessarily uh linear and and similar with parallels and in that kind of sense right but in terms of the flow of the news cycle and that kind of stuff and just how the conversations start to pick up steam that's out there now i told you this i can't remember if i told you this on a podcast but i've made this point in a couple of different places and i feel i feel the same way about two players right now uh on the team kevin that is If Cam Johnson gets traded before the deadline or he gets traded in the offseason, that means they were never going to extend him. They did not feel confident giving him long-term money. Cam has a lengthy history of hip injuries that we have talked about a lot on this podcast that he has gotten through, that he looks better than ever from moving on from. 
but there are also other injuries that have come up for him over his last couple of years. Would I describe him as an injury-riddled player, an injury-prone player, Kevin? No, I think some people would, but I but I wouldn't necessarily. And I will say the same thing here, Kevin. If Chris Paul is traded before the start of next season, that means he was never going to be on the roster next season. That that That's what it means to me. And this type of thing opens up again that thought of, okay, it seems like a really strong possibility that he's not playing for this team next season. Of course, 15 million of the 30 million is not guaranteed. That more so, I think, gives flexibility to a team that is trading for him as opposed to the Suns directly because they are without. It would be bad. I Windhorse mentioned this on his podcast, the possibility that Gambo has talked about here where the Suns could operate as a cap team still next year. That's not at well. They're operating as a cap team next year, Kevin. That means something has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> Just that's what that means. I, I don't know how else to interpret that as like something has gone horribly wrong with their team building philosophies and all that kind of stuff. If they're operating as a team as a cap team uh, next year, so all of that is to say we're at that point now where those two guys specifically. I, I'm just keeping that in mind for those guys. Do you buy that this? opens up the possibility for you even more that Chris could get traded at the deadline or are you more with me where it's a super duper long shot, but if they get the right offer in the right situation, it comes here because one one more thing, Kevin, basically to my point, the way they can think about it, then that trade offer, right? Crowder, a first round pick and Chris, well, Chris isn't going to be here next year. Crowder's not expiring. It's just a first round pick. So we're basically giving up this first round pick, to, to like take a shot on the Kyrie thing. And then if it doesn't work out, he doesn't resign. Okay. Jay was gone. Anyway, we were getting rid of Chris anyway. That's how you can like frame it. Right. D- d- does that make sense to you? How much, how much do you buy the the realistic possibility he gets here? Cause I think this was just like a really, a, a fortuitous moment in terms of not only an all-star being available, but one where they didn't, they thought with like that kind of offer, they wouldn't have to give up that much. Like you and I discussed previously. I mean, I know it's a lot of money, but I kind of view him basically as an expired deal almost. Like he's gonna be he, hard to he trade. Being Chris, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's gonna be hard to trade, regardless of how good he is, just because of his age. And so I think, like, if you're the Suns, we we committed to him. Um, like, obviously, that get that partial guarantee next season is there. He's gonna get paid. And I think it's there because they saw this coming. And I, I think it's there and not two years down the road because they made this a thought process, right? And the big part of it is you wouldn't trade him for many people. Like even the tr- the offer to the Nets, like why would the Nets want this other than salary cap relief? Um, that That would be why they threw him in there. And that would be why Brooklyn might've considered it, whether or not how serious... I don't know if they were serious about considering that if the Mavs didn't put a couple, three picks and two pretty good players on the table. Like, I don't know, but going into next year, I wouldn't say that this just tells you they're ready for him to be off the team. I think you could still say, okay, we're, we're paying you 30 million um, or whatever it is to maybe play 25 minutes and take an even more reduced role, but we need to find answers to, kind of help you out, get another point guard in there. That's why people were laughing at the Fred Van Vliet stuff, but like 
look, if you had a way to get Fred Van Vliet, it's a lot easier to do it by trade than by getting below or getting salary cap and not resigning Cam Johnson and then just signing Fred Van Vliet. So I think there's a lot to this, um, trying to find a new point guard, but I don't think it really matters if Chris is part of it. Like, if you need to have that conversation in the offseason about, again, I said this last podcast, if he's going to come off the bench, um, if if someone might come off the bench behind him, if you trade for Fred Van Vliet right now, um, that might be a little wonky to start. But if it gets you a championship or closer to it this year, then you re- have that conversation in the offseason. And then you decide, do we just pay Chris Paul to go away or does he want to be like a six man making 30 million because he could still be pretty valuable. So I, I don't think, I guess the, that was a long way of me saying, I don't think anything's like super determined and it won't be super determined by how they act at the trade deadline. Um, but it, it definitely, definitely means that they're trying to figure out what they do post Chris Paul. For sure. I, I'm not there with the bench idea, but we've had that conversation a few times already. So we'll not go there. Let's talk about Dallas because they get Kyrie Irving. They are a team in this wide open West where from their perspective, you look at that sort of trade that they made as similar to what we talked about with the Suns, where they're in a position where they want to take a shot. They have always been a franchise that has felt, and I'm not sure how accurate it is because I haven't followed it as closely as people in Dallas, obviously, where they feel like they need to acquire stars as opposed to signing them. Like they they, they do feel like they have to be rather swift in, in pursuing stars when they become available because of their odds of landing them in other ways. You go back to Chris Stapps, there's, there's other precedent going back in the Cuban era as well. This is another one with Kyrie Irving. Again, that's Dinwiddie, Finney Smith, a first and two seconds that are uh, pretty far out here in the future. Uh, one sentiment, Kevin, that I want to cover first before we get to the team fit and, and then wrap up the proceedings here is that I saw Suns fans. If you're a Suns fan who wanted them to trade for Kyrie, I, I completely understand your frustration. That that That's fine. Now, if you are a, a Suns fan who didn't want Kyrie here, but you're frustrated that he got to Dallas, I think you're crazy. Kyrie Irving's endings and all of his franchises have not gone well. I think the term franchise killer is a bit strong for anyone, including him. But with that being said, you're sitting here as a Suns fan looking at Luka Doncic looming in the West for the next decade as this this monster in waiting, essentially, once he gets help, we're waiting for him to get help. Who's the other star? Who are they going to get? And and, the, and their move, this doesn't eliminate future moves in the, moves in the future, of course, but their, their answer could be Kyrie. And look, if, if they make it to the Western Conference Finals and they re-sign Kyrie, I think that's a, still a similar sentiment where you should be, and the sentiment is, you should be ecstatic about this. You should be thrilled because... It could go horribly wrong there. And guess what? If it goes horribly wrong, Luka Doncic isn't going to want to be there anymore. And now he's not even in the West anymore, potentially. Like, that's a lot of steps down the line, of course. But I think people are not, uh, uh, people being Suns fans, I saw a lot of reactions. And specifically for the now, how much Dallas kills the Suns and the fact that they got better from a talent perspective at this point. I understand that. I really do understand that. But the potential for this to go wrong and go wrong to a degree where we look at this as the moment where everything started falling apart in the Luka Doncic era. Maybe the Porzingis trade is first, but this is going up next. I think you have to be pretty excited about that. I just wanted to make that point before we get to the fit of the trade and how Dallas looks afterward. What, what do you think about how Dallas looks? Uh, they're a lot better. I mean, if you watched... 
I guess for the Suns' perspective, having watched them play the Suns mostly, uh, they're a lot better. If you plug in Kyrie Irving where Spencer Dinwiddie was just getting off open threes, um, that's a matchup you do not want if you're the Phoenix Suns. So I completely get people being worried about that, and that's this year only. I completely agree with you on the, like, spend more time than half a season with Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic, and see if you guys are best friends. I don't believe that at all. But, like, I think that gives them a fighting chance this year. And that's coming from a team that I think had no chance of going very far just because of how much, again, was on Luka. And we've talked about that a lot. But that team is honestly set up really perfectly to just plug in Kyrie Irving for being not exactly a true, true point guard and needing a lot of usage. And, like, it's going to be maybe clunky for Luka, but I, I don't think he'll be super... Um, too upset about not taking as many shots that are just where guys are draped all over him and stuff. I think he will figure it out and be more of a facilitator. And I don't know. I, I really like it from that perspective. And I get trading a couple of key pieces. Um, but yeah, the the draft picks, a little mortgaging of future. And then Finney Smith, I think, is actually a big loss just from the like defense perspective of what made that team around Lucas so good. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can stick. I don't know where they are in defense, honestly, but if, if they're even a top 15 defense, I would maybe be surprised too. But like offensively, it looks really good. Offensively. It, it does look really good. Uh, I disagree with the fit. They need another move. And I get why that is being phrased as such with McMahon's reporting that I mentioned earlier. And I would, I'm going to give Dallas the benefit of the doubt here and believe that they made this move knowing that they have another move left to make. And they felt confident in their ability to get that move done. I'm not saying you can't do this move unless you have another move in mind, but there is a way to look at this that is incorrect, Kevin. And that is that they basically turned Spencer Dinwiddie into Kyrie Irving for the price of Dorian Finney Smith. And so you put Kyrie in Dinwiddie's role and you go from there. That is not what this is because by giving up Dorian Finney-Smith in the deal, you are losing him in your lineup constructions, in your rotations and all this type of stuff. So now Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic are starting together. Their number one ball handler off the bench is either going to be Frank Nielakina or Jaden Hardy right now. Now it could be Tim Hardaway Jr., but Tim Hardaway Jr., not much of a floor general here, Kevin. I would guess that Reggie Bullock for his defense is going to start, but now but now Reggie Bullock is not only, Kevin, their only perimeter defender in the starting lineup that's capable, he's he's their only good one on, on the entire roster, I think. I think it's too early to give Josh Green that designation as a younger player, and I think a lot of this move has to do with faith in Josh Green specifically, but then you go to their four spot, and that's where Christian Wood is supposed to be or Maxi Kleba is supposed to be. You've still got Dwight Powell at the five. I've always liked Dwight Powell. Maybe it's Kleba and Wood. Maybe it's one of those two, three guys or whatever, but they're missing a wing now. Uh, they were yeah. not in a position where they could afford to give up a wing and they're missing a wing and they're missing a guy in DFS who Suns fans know this better than, uh, not better than us, as well as us. They watched that series and how many different defensive assignments that DFS was switching through. He was covering, he was pestering Paul when he was bringing it up sometimes. He was covering Booker. He was on Bridges. He was in the weak side help spot doubling on DA. Like he was in a lot of different spots and was really valuable for them. So I think this is the type of move where they, at the very least for their defensive integrity, they need to get another wing and and to be in a position where if the, the matchup suits them, 
They only play one big, they play two wings, and they play two guards with the two guards being Kyrie and Luka. Defensively, there's an unavoidable problem where Kyrie or Luka is the pigeon almost every possession. I saw a Suns fan point that out yesterday on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but props to them because that is just a problem that you are going to deal with in this kind of situation. But then again, offensively, I think Irving is going to be amazing in the system because all they do is dribble the crap out of the ball and then pass it to someone or shoot it, and he is going to fit right in there. That is not a jab or a slight. It's what he does best, and guess what? You get to absolutely maximize everything that he does well because of that. I think Zach Lowe made some good points on the low post talking about how Kyrie is a playmaker. It is kind of hit or miss at times depending on what you're looking for, but I think Dallas is so ABC, uh, the sky is blue, grass is green style of offense that he's going to be able to pick all that up really quickly and, and be really efficient with it. But I think that looking at this from a Suns perspective and how much better Dallas got, they are a more talented team. Do I think they are a better overall team? I need to see what else happens. And if nothing else happens, I'm not sure I'm willing to go that far. And that is speaking like someone who thought they could still win two playoff series as they were constructed before. So maybe I was higher on Dallas before than this, just because of how awesome Luke is and how much I like the pieces around him similar to last year. Uh, but, but this year, Kevin, it, I, I don't think they're going to be able to get a ball handler and a wing. Does that sound familiar or not, Kevin? Let me know. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think they're going to be able to get a ball handler and a wing. They better just hope that they get a wing, first of all, for their defense. Because right now, uh, you were mentioning in terms of where they rank in the league that they've been pretty bad defensively this year. And I asked Jason Kidd what he want, what what do you need to do? I, I phrased it as, we were here like six months ago and saw how awesome you guys were defensively. Like we know what you guys are capable of. What do you guys need to get back to? They're 24th in defensive rating right now. And he said, he just said like connectivity and, and just the basics of staying together and being together as a unit defensively. And that speaks to how far they have to go on top of all the offensive adjustments. They're going to have to learn with Kyrie playing with Luca, which shouldn't really be a problem. They got to figure out defense as well. And I think it's an uphill battle unless they upgrade the, their spots a bit. Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize they were that poor this year, I guess. Um, and like like you said, Finney Smith was the guy where you could be like, I'm not worried about him. Like, I'm worried about everyone else. And one funny thing, I guess, is when you mentioned, like, they lose ball handler in a wing or they could use another ball handler wing situation. Like, I don't know if the math could work, but, like, the Suns could use Spencer Dinwiddie and Dory Finney-Smith. Lots of teams could use that package. <laughs> yeah. Why we're sitting here right now waiting for this trade to become official. Um, so, like, I, I don't know what the Nets want. They I forgot who reported last night that they did want good players coming back, but, like, maybe that's to appease KD. And I guess, it, unless you have more on the math, should we end there on, like, what do you think Kevin Durant's doing right now? Because I... I'm wondering what, if he's just waiting to see, but if he's waiting to see what the Nets look like, then like he won't be traded because the, the deadline will pass. We, we have learned over the last year that the Nets are a team that likes to control their narratives and likes to use reporting in that kind of way, right? Like they're not just going to sit there and let speculation fuel a lot of things. Like reporting is going to get out there. Uh, I, I would like to, I would power them. I would sure like to put out there that Kevin Durant's cool with this. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there hasn't been anything yet. It's almost been 24 hours. And there hasn't been anything. It's kind of concerning. It's kind of, kind of an issue. Um, I, I, I'll ask you because I, I don't. God, you better be sure. Should the Suns wait if they think Kevin will be available this summer? Should they not trade a first round pick? Uh, you could trade this year's first round pick since you wouldn't be able to deal. I, 
I guess if he's available after the draft, you know, maybe if he's available before the draft, you got to trade it earlier. I'm not sure, but would you, would you wait? Cause I think, I think there's a very yeah. good chance they wait again. They talk themselves that's why, into waiting. That's why I, I think the offer from for Kyrie was a good one, even though I disagree about like, I know you have to trade Chris Paul's contract in that situation. I didn't like trading Chris Paul. Um, cause of he's Chris Paul, even as limited as he is now, but my favorite part of that, if you're the Suns, is they only put that one apparently draft pick in there. And that tells me what you just said. Like they're not trying to risk like going into the summer when LeBron or KD or whoever is out there on the trade block and take themselves out of it by just trying to make a run this year. So that's why I think it's really important to not overreact at this deadline if you're them. Chris Haynes reported the Suns are prepared to pursue Kevin Durant should he become available. Is he available? We don't know yet. One more note, Kevin. <laughs> I really like Brooklyn's roster. I, I think they obviously need one more guy, which is where using that first round pick, using those seconds, they have some picks left over from the Harden trade. They could get active here, but uh, Schumann from NBA.com pointed this out. You look at the lineup of Simmons, O'Neal, Finney Smith, Durant, Claxton. That's the best defensive five. I think almost any team in the league can form defensively. And if your offense is the best offensive player that's ever existed, it's not not bad. It's not bad. Like Royce O'Neal and Finney Smith can hit shots. I know Claxton and Simmons together. That's rather clunky. But you've got Dinwiddie, Curry, and Harris to offer shooting slash offense. Patty Mills is still there, too. I think that using those four guys, Dinwiddie, Curry, Harris, and Mills, using some combination of those guys to get a better, pure fit offensively, which kind of tracks more towards Dinwiddie than Curry or Harris is. Uh, that's good. TJ Warren's on that team, too. I like the way this bounced out for Brooklyn. It, again, everyone plays it. If I were in Kevin Durant's shoes, but there were a lot of situations where Kyrie gets traded and the return could have been pretty bad, and we talked about that earlier and how it could kind of be nothing. I look at this team, if I was Kevin Durant, I look at this team like, yeah, I could, I could win a championship with this. Wasn't there a clip of their locker room celebration over the weekend with the win? And it was just like, oh, huh, it's really joyous in there. And Kyrie Irving, <laughs> and, Kevin Durant, good. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are not there <laughs> for it as well. Don't yeah. forget about Cam Thomas. He doesn't smile because nothing's funny, Kevin. Nothing's funny. All right. Will Jay Cry to be traded no. by the next time we podcast, Kevin? No. Yes. I'll say yes. Oh. Okay. I'll be, I'll be the contrarian. All right, everyone. You remember Wednesday, we're meeting before the trade deadline where we might do this Wednesday. I'm just throwing that out there. I, I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking to my go. Okay. All right, everyone. We'll <laughs> talk to you later in the week. We'll see you then. Goodbye.